pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last Sunday, I began this series of sermons, Desert Spring, This Is Us, as we took a look at one of the defining characteristics of the Christian life and of the life of Christian community, that being hope. I talked about hope being like the air that we breathe as Christians because we know that God isn't finished with us yet. And so every moment is alive with the possibility that God might break into your life, into my life, into the life of our church and do something good. In worship, we stand on tiptoes, leaning toward the horizon in great anticipation because God isn't finished with us yet. Hope is a defining characteristic of the Christian life and of Christian community. Today, I'm going to turn my attention to a second defining characteristic of Christian life and Christian community, that being trust. Now, trust is that assurance of the reliability of the one in whom we place our trust. Trust isn't necessarily a feeling that we have, but is a choice that we make. And when it comes to trusting folks, oftentimes we start placing our trust in people when they've had some time to demonstrate their trustworthiness. You know, when we can see that they're honest or reliable or the like. Now, we live in a time where there's great distrust culturally and a lot of suspicion culturally. We listen to the the public discourse, the political discourse, and we know there's a lot of distrust in our country, in our culture. And so trust has become something that must be earned, and it is not easy to earn it in today's world. But it's different in the church. Because in the church, the church's very foundation is trust. That's what I want to compare trust to, the foundation on which the church stands, on which our faith stands. Trust. God trusts us. We trust God. We trust one another. Now, in the book of Acts, we hear the story of the birth and the development of the church. In the very first chapter of Acts, in his opening verses, right before Jesus ascends to heaven, we hear several things that help us to understand how it is that trust is the very foundation of the church. Jesus is talking to his disciples when he gives them a job description. He says to them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And did you hear the trust in that? Jesus is entrusting his mission to us. God is trusting us with the very plan of God for all of creation. God is choosing to trust us. And God doesn't trust us because we are all that trustworthy. God doesn't trust us because we're all that honest or have that much integrity. God knows we're not perfect. 
But God still chooses to trust us, to be in partnership with us in the recreation of this world. And so right off the bat, in the beginning of the book of Acts, we hear this, God trusts you. And let me say that again, because this is important. God trusts you with the mission of Jesus Christ. God trusts us. In those opening verses, we also hear Jesus tell his disciples that before they carry out that mission, they are to wait for the coming of the Spirit. And so they wait. And in Acts chapter 2, we hear the story of the Spirit of God coming upon them, equipping them. And from there, they go out and they start their work, their job of being witnesses to Jesus Christ. And so we hear that not only does God trust us, but that we can trust God. God trusts us with the mission of Jesus Christ, and we can trust God that God will prepare us and will equip us for everything God is asking us to do. It's important. God prepares us and equips us for everything God asks us to do. The church is built on a foundation of trust. The book of Acts continues. As we hear how a fledgling church grows and the challenges that it encounters and the controversies that emerge and how it is that trust is what holds the community together and launches it forward. We hear stories of how new converts sell their property, give the money to the apostles so that all the needs of the people are met. Trust. We hear stories of how it is that as the church grows, people start taking on responsibilities to to care for ministries, and they're entrusted to do so. Trust. And so, not only is the church built on God trusting us and us trusting God, but the church is also built upon us trusting one another. And in those moments in church life when trusting one another becomes a challenge. Well, whenever trust is being undermined, the leaders of the church respond to make certain that the trust is maintained. And so, we have a complaint that comes to the, to the leaders in the book of Acts about a group of women whose needs are not being met. And so, they set Stephen aside with the responsibility of organizing the church to make certain everybody's needs are met, maintaining trust. And we hear a story about how two new converts to the faith start lying to the community about things that they had done. And while there are plenty of folks who lie in our greater culture, the church is built upon trust. And so Peter addresses them immediately whenever trust is being undermined. The church must respond to recover that trust. And if ever trust is lost, whatever you might want to call us, the church ceases to be the church. The church is built on a foundation of trust. In the early chapters of the book of Acts, there's four things that I, I want to share with you. Just ask you to remember. The first thing, 
God trusts us, you and me, with carrying forth the mission of Christ. Secondly, God can be trusted to provide for us, to equip us to do whatever God asks us to do. Thirdly, we can trust one another to carry out the mission of Christ. And fourth, because we trust one another and because we are not perfect, the church must, must be diligent in its oversight, must be diligent in its watchfulness so that whenever trust is being undermined, we respond. That might mean having some tough conversations sometimes, and we have those because the very foundation of our faith and of our church is trust. So let's turn our attention now to the reading of Scripture. Our scripture today comes from three uh, different sources. First one is Jeremy 17, 5 to 8. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it was not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. From Acts 1, 6-8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And from Psalms 23:1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bill. Scarcity. We do not have enough. Abundance. We have everything we need. Scarcity. There are limits to what we can do. Abundance. There is no limit to what is possible. Scarcity. There's only so much time. Abundance. We have all the time we need. Scarcity. We only have so much money, so much resources. Abundance. We have all the resources we need. Scarcity. The scarcity mentality requires control over a belief that there are limited resources. Abundance, ab abundance mindset is built upon trust. Now, in 
In our work, Jerry helps me a lot with this, Jerry McGuire, in our work in assisting churches with, with their own growth, we've often encountered a scarcity mentality. We understand how that can develop as churches decline. But there's this mentality that grows up in churches that they have limited resources, a limited amount of money, a limited amount of time, and limited amount of people. And so in order to, to, to leverage their limited resources, they create this control, span of control. They elect a few people who decide everything that can happen in the church. They elect a few people who decide what the church will do and what the church will not do. And the span of control may work really well, but where's the trust? And where there is no trust, there is no foundation under the church. It will not stand. Here at Desert Spring, we have a different mindset. We have an abundance mindset. We believe that we have everything we need to accomplish what God would want us to do. We believe that God will provide everything that is needed to do whatever God sets before us. Abundance. But now let me be clear about this abundance idea, because I don't want you to be confused on this. We do not believe that, that abundance means God's going to open up the treasure chest in heaven and pour it into our bank accounts. You know, so we have more than we could ever dream of having. That's not it. I mean, Jerry and I work hard to be faithful, but we don't have very much money. Not really. I mean, we have a lot of children, <laughs> nine children. And with nine children, how could we have very much money? Really? Really? And that's kind of the point. Some of you here know that five of our nine children are adopted. And we adopted them because we felt like that's what God wanted us to do. It was part of God's plan for our life to allow us to be blessed, to be brought into the lives of these children. It was part of God's plan and desire for us. And so we simply trusted that we would have whatever we needed to do what God was setting before us. And I got to say, there were times where we barely had enough to do to do everything God is setting before us, but we had enough. I think back to when we served the Camp Verde Church. Early in my ministry, we were on a conference minimum salary and we had six children at home. We would have to save for a while to take our children out to Taco Bell. That's how tight things were. And we would save for a whole year, a whole year, so that once a year, the week the kids went back to school, we could take them out to a nice dinner to celebrate the return of school. I mean, we didn't have extra. We didn't, but we had enough. And if you ask our children, those who were there in those days, if you ask them about that time, they would all say that they weren't lacking, that they had what they needed. They had enough. Jerry and I knew God was providing, and we had everything we needed to accomplish what God was setting before us. That's what I mean by abundance. Abundance is that God provides us everything we need to do what God sets before us. And not necessarily extra. But why would we do ex need extra? 
if we have what we need. Abundance. God provides. And what's been true for Jerry and I in our lives is a promise to all of us, to all Christians, that God will equip you. That you can accomplish whatever it is that God sets before you. Whatever that might be, God is going to give you what you need to accomplish what God would have you to do. Now, how do we know what God wants us to do? That seems like a pretty big question, although it's not really that big. I mean, we search our hearts. We prayerfully listen. We think about things like our God-given passions, those passions, those things that excite us, that we're really interested in. We think about how those things might make a difference in somebody else's life. And we think about how these passions that we have might intersect with human need. Frederick Beekner, the great author, once said that where our passion intersects with human need, maybe that's the place where God would have us to serve. And so we think about our passions and how it can intersect to help other people as we prayerfully listen to what God has to say. We also consider the gifts that God has given us. We all have, been we all have received spiritual gifts. The Bible tells us about these in many different places. You have received gifts for ministry. So have I. Think about those abilities that you have how you can employ them to make a difference in somebody's life, that place where passion and where gifts and where human need kind of merge could very well be the next place God would have you to make a difference in this world. We all are called to make a difference. And part of that calling, of course, is just to live a Christian life and to care for one another. But every one of us, has a responsibility to carry out the job description that Jesus gave his followers in Acts chapter 1, to be his witness. So, so we think about what is our part to play in being that witness. And your part to play in being that witness could very well be different from mine and from the people who are around you, but you have a part to play. And maybe it'll be here doing something in the church, or maybe it'll be in your home with your family, or maybe it'll be in your workplace with your colleagues, or maybe it will be in your neighborhood or with your friends. But wherever it will be, all of us are given a call to be a witness and are equipped to do it however it is we can do it. Here at Desert Spring, we trust you that you can know what that is. If you need help, we'll help you to know what that is. But when you know what it is, we want to be a part of it. We're built on trust, a foundation of trust. And so whatever it is that God is calling you to do, whatever it is, whatever you can do to make a difference for the kingdom of God, we want to help you succeed. We want to be a part of it. That is the very foundation on which this church stands. We are built on trust. God trusts us. We trust God. We trust one another. 
as we seek to carry out God's purpose for our lives. But one last thought on this. Because I don't want you to think that I'm saying you ought to just trust more people. I know that for some of us here, trusting other people can be difficult. And it can be difficult for lots of different reasons. And and learning to trust other people is a spiritual matter, and it can take a long, long time. I am not saying that it's important for you to start trusting more people. What I am saying is that you are trusted by God, by me, by the leaders of our church. You are trusted. And we want to help you carry out your part in giving witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. We are built on a foundation of trust. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. Amen.